This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 525 for September 14th, 2016. Well, folks, welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. And we have a little news, some more news. There's things happening. Right, Susie Oaks, it's executive all editor. It's happening. That's right. That's Susie Oaks. I can't Execu- believe it's 525. Doesn't 500 seem like we just did it we like did. two weeks ago? And that was we did. half a year ago almost? Anyway. We did. And you are Susie Oaks, the executive I'm editor Oaks. Of, of Macworld. And I'm Glenn Fleischman, regular host and Hi, uh, senior contributor. Hello. Uh, you have had a lot of coffee this morning, haven't you? No, none. No? I am really tired. Natural ebullience. Oh, I see. That's Sometimes it. when I get really tired, I get kind of hyper. I discovered that the more tired I get, the uh, longer words I use. I will start saying things like elucidatory, uh, you know, exponential algorithm or something. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you've had a busy week because we had uh, – you were at the Apple event last week and got yes. to see stuff and touch stuff in the uh, special Apple rebuilding of the interior of the – I did. I did, but then that's it. I didn't – you know, I, I didn't get a f- review unit. Or anything. So their first reviews are out today. So I've been reading those. I was confused. Um, I actually thought stuff was going to come out like Wednesday is usually the day. We're recording on I, Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. My boss asked me yesterday and I was like, well, iOS 10 will be the news cycle tomorrow. And then they'll get another news cycle on Wednesday when the review embargo drops. So I was a little surprised that they dropped the review embargo. They're mixing things up. Maybe the watch reviews will go live tomorrow. Do I don't you think? know. I don't know. I see. Uh, yeah. This, so you can find, I mean, people by Wednesday, you'll, this That's will be old. Probably hat. it. The when watch reviews will go live tomorrow. Uh, I suspect. When is the watch shipping? Do we have a date on that? Uh, also Friday, I believe. Oh my gosh! You know, I totally missed that in the announcements. Um, so there's a there are roundups right? of all the reviews. I haven't read them as we record this yet. Uh, it sounds like AirPods. People are not very happy. We'll, we'll go into some hardware stuff later, but uh, AirPods. People are not that happy with. Um, I don't know if there's anything like. Is there a standout thing? Like I'm looking at photography, which we're going to talk at, which I talk about, which I think is a big. I think that's yeah. actually like a big uh, feature. Photography is the is a huge part of the story so far, and then just like the sheer speed of this thing with yeah. the A10 Fusion chip. I mean, the fact that it has these cores sounds like a really cool thing. It's just kind of like, um, I mean, the the question I want to answer in my review when I get my phone on Friday, when everyone gets theirs, um, will be: Do the drawbacks? Because this has some drawbacks. They actually made a couple of things worse. In my hands-on time, I didn't like the new home button. Um, That's what and, I hear, you know, yeah. It's probably one of those things you have to get used to. Two different Apple employees were like, it takes some getting used to. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> so there's that. And then you know the headphone jack thing with the dongles. If I had a great pair of earphones, all, you know, Bluetooth headphones already, maybe I wouldn't be concerned about it. But, you know, I've tried to live with um, headphone jack dongles before when using Mophie cases and I hate them. So yeah, I'm, you know, I've, I've got some concerns. So the cameras and the processor, which we kind of take for granted are going to, you know, improve every time those sort of have a big job to do now because they have to justify, you know, the annoyances and inconveniences of this new phone. This is the first iPhone that I haven't been like, oh yeah, I want that. Like this one, I'm not, I'm not so well, sure about. So we're talking about, it's like there's tick years and talk years and the tick year is usually a form factor change and the talk year is the major internal feature upgrades and this is neither exactly a tick it or a talk. It feels like a beta of next year's phone. It's, I feel like next year they're going to have this like down. It's like tick, talk, Funk. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, tank. It, it's just <laughs> TikTok tank. TikTok tank. I hope, oh. not. I hope they sell a lot of them. It's not going to tank. It's There's a good your headline phone. for this See, episode. That's the annoying thing, too, it because won't. you're like, every iPhone is by definition the best iPhone. You know, they don't make them worse. But this one does have a couple drawbacks, which is like kind of rare for a phone. But I, you know, I haven't, I haven't really tested it yet. So I'm going to get mine on Friday. And I will let you know next week. The cycle is, yeah. I mean, the cycle is going to be weird too because uh, this changes everything when there's no uh, physical motivation. Like no one knows. This is kind of like the iPhone SE, which I think was the harbinger of this. The SE mm-hmm. is an old form factor with entirely new innards. And yeah. these I got are, the rose gold. That's the only way you can tell that it's new. Yeah. It happens to be pink. If you look at the back <laughs> of an iPhone 7 or 7 Plus, you'll notice a different camera bulge. Or if you have jet black, that's really the only thing. That'll be, I mean, there are other, I know there's one other color too, but this is the, this will be the thing that'll be the big tell. And it's not, even if you don't look at it as a status thing, I think there's an internal part where people say, uh, 
I want something that's new and different, and I'm attracted by this new design. And it, you know, that's totally reasonable, obviously. Also, this doesn't provide any real signal. And I wonder, yeah. you know, I was writing earlier There's this no year. There's no show off factor. If you're going to spend yeah. 800 bucks on a phone, you want people to say, wow, that's a really nice well, phone. <laughs> six months ago, you know, I was writing about how I thought Apple might be needing to turn down the TikTok because it was so fast and it did feel like not everything was in alignment. We've been feeling a lot about that lately where Apple is not getting the fit and finish. It's getting the big stuff right, usually, and the little stuff not as right. And the same thing's happening with the operating systems. And I'm thinking, are they moving into this mature, more mature phase where they don't iterate big things as fast? You know, and people keep – I know this is the frustration. The general press is Apple's lost innovation. And when it's never been the cycle – that you know, it's a four- to five-year cycle for most things Apple does anyway. But they've often had these, you know, these punctuated, the tick and the talk. It's like new form factor, new camera, or new touch ID, or new whatever. It's like that's the thing – on the alternate cycles, I think it's actually okay. And it, you know, from a consumer standpoint, having a device that feels new longer is great. You're spending less money. There's less waste. I don't know how that affects them financially, but that's not really, we're not really financial analysts. So I'm more concerned about, does this improve the experience for people buying a phone? And I think a phone uh, not changing it as much, not having flagship features you can't have because they're a newer phone, um, or even not needing to desire the new phone, that's actually, I think it's a little bit of a positive, you know? Yeah, I mean, and the market is kind of maturing. Like, it's these phones seem like they've been around forever, but next year is the 10th anniversary, which, you know, like, that's a long time, but it's also not that long. So maybe, you know, the TikTok was kind of necessary for a while when they were really, like, pushing it forward, and now that they've gotten to the refinement stage mm -hmm. um, where, it, you know, it's it's more the internals that are maturing than than the case design, and it's, they're all pretty similar now. Um, so, yeah, it's... Maybe as they mature, they'll they'll take a different pace. But it's it, it's a really good it's a good phone. Like the the reviews have been fun to read. We're working on a little um, uh, roundup now, so you can kind of see the highlights and lowlights in one place, and then click out to read more. So that's always a fun way to spend um, an, an hour or two <laughs> on the day that the reviews all drop. And yeah, like I said, we'll have ours next week. But we did review iOS ten. Um, for this morning, and that should drop within 45 minutes or so. So by the time you hear this podcast, it'll be out. Um, but yeah, we're recording this on the 13th, which is iOS 10 day. So we're just kind of on standby for that to come out. I installed, uh, I've been, we've been, as we talked over the summer, we installed public and developer betas, and uh, you were using it as your production release for a while. And I, I've been using it from the start, yeah. You're so, you live on the edge, CC. So I, it's my been big problem, fine. But my big problem isn't whether it's stable, it's whether apps continue to work. So it's, I don't want to be without apps I need as opposed to the operating system crashing. So I waited and I uh, just updated my main device. I have three other iOS devices that I've been running betas and, um, and golden masters. And I updated when the golden master uh, came out last week, I updated my main phone and it's, um, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So th this is an interesting release. Uh, Apple uh, has been criticized. Well, I shouldn't say they haven't been criticized quite as much as other uh, phone makers, let's say, but there's been issues about how far back you get support, partly because they don't offer security updates and other, you know, bug fixes to older OSs. So there are bugs, so as far as I can tell, there are security problems with uh, releases uh, that some phones cannot get, uh, but they're being used, you know, in the millions uh, relatively, right? You know, it's not like um, there are no pre-iOS uh, 9 phones out there or other devices, Um Typically, criminals and other people don't want to exploit uh, bugs that only work on a limited set of devices that's shrinking, but still, it's an issue. Um, and so this time, uh, iOS 10 will go back to uh, it's all the A7s and laters, right? So it's iPhone 5 and later, so that's starting in 2012 with phone releases. I think the iPhone 5 has an A6. Well, it's I supported, just looked that up last night. though. I thought it was A7s only. Is it, I thought it was a, uh, isn't it a 64-bit thing? Or no? Well, it supports the iPad fourth generation, which is not 64 bits either. Interesting. Okay. So, well, it's iPhone. Interesting. It's iPhone 5 or later, uh, 2002. iPad mini 2 or later. iPad fourth generation. All the iPad Airs, iPad Pros, and the iPad iPod Touch 
Remember that? The iPod yeah, Touch. Yeah, the, the iPhone 5 has generation. only a 6, yeah, which so is a 32 bits. It's only, oh, that's interesting. So that's the last, gosh, well, I wonder how that's going to work. Uh, we haven't tried it on an iPhone 5 or 5C yet. Um, I have a really broken iPhone 5 that I need to put it on. I have um, an iPhone so, 5 actually right here that I've been running the beta on, and I have just realized, I didn't realize how, uh, how that it was, I wouldn't think about the processor. It works fine. I had no problems yeah, with the, it. the iPhone 5C is also an A6. We did, um, Caitlin wrote an article about using it with the iPad Air, and that has an A7. Is there an A7X in the iPad Air? Anyway, uh, that, that has an A7 right. based Slightly newer chip, processor. And yeah. she didn't have any problems with it either. Um, a lot of times when you hear, you know, anecdotes about like, oh, the battery life, the battery life is terrible and it's everything's slower. But, you know, that might not be the case with this one. I know they really tried to streamline it down. People are saying that they're getting um, storage back. So it's not like, oh, I have a 16 gigabit device, a gigabyte device. I don't want to upgrade it. Oh, so there were reports before iOS 10 came out that Apple was going to do some work to actually like retro optimize so that older devices just wouldn't be uh, asked to do things they couldn't do. Um, and so it would reduce code. They'd slim things down. For processor type. So yeah, I've got a, I'm just booting. In fact, I've got an iPhone five I was using for testing and it's, uh, it's totally great. Like there's no, there's no issues at all, um, with, uh, this through the beta process, which should even be, you know, I'm working on it right now and it's totally fine. I didn't even thought about that cause I was using that for, uh, for testing. So this is actually surprising. I think it's probably better than iOS eight or nine on this device. In fact, so there you go. Um, well, that's good. So yeah, so this is I I'm glad when they go back that far, especially when there's competition with Android and people talk about which Android devices can be upgraded. It's great to say, okay, well, Apple will go back four years for this and three years for that. So uh, if you've got yeah. an older device, you had a take. You had written an article already about should you upgrade to iOS 10. What are the things people should think about in terms of making the upgrade if they are not already pressing update? Um, well, so iOS 10 itself is really stable, but as you already mentioned, um, you know, you never know about apps. I ran into a couple apps early, early in the beta process that didn't work. They would crash on launching, but after, I mean, we're on like the seventh or eighth beta. I think they got to they, they eighth, were, yeah. yeah, they were putting out beta builds fast and furious at the end there. And I think by like three or four, all the apps that I use work. But I mean, and the apps that I use are not very crucial. Like if I can't check the next bus with this one, there's like five others that'll do it. But if you do something where you need one specific app and it has to work, like, you know, check with that. Um, on that same vein, if you have smart home devices, um, the Ooh. devices should be fine, but the apps that control them, um, you want to make sure that those are going to be compatible with iOS 10. Um, this popped to mind when I saw a tweet over the weekend by Dave Zatz, who is a good friend and a um, Tech Hive contributor and smart home genius man. Um, he uh, tweeted that one of his devices, a smart lock, I want to say by Kivo, um, had a problem. Like the, the, the developer had let them know that the lock was still going to work. It wasn't like, oh, your door won't lock anymore. Thanks, iOS 10. But they said there was a bug and the touch to open technology would only work and the app was open. So there was like one kind of like special feature that wasn't going to work. So that made me think like, wow, smart home. I mean, like when once you're tying your software to like actual things in your life, that's that's even more important that mm -hmm. you're going to make sure everything's compatible before you do a big upgrade like this. Um, and then... Uh, Oh, Maps. Maps is all new. I had a little trouble with it, again, earlier in the beta cycle when I was running um, iOS 10 and watchOS 3 betas, and they were both pretty early. Um, they were having trouble communicating. There were a lot of crashes. Everything was getting really hot. The battery life was terrible whenever I was doing navigation with Maps. That's all gotten a lot better. It is a new design. If you are like just super heavy maps user and it's going to freak you out that it's new. Like you, you might want to hold off for a little bit, but I really <laughs> like it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really pro on the new maps. Like, I mean, maps has been, you know, kind of fighting its way back from the iOS six debacle, 
But I, Maps and iOS 10 is great. And well, I'm looking at the uh, issue reporting, because that was one of my things, is, you know, it's hard. You got to go through a bunch of steps. Uh, I, I don't actually, I shouldn't say this. I don't know how hard it was in earlier ones, but I'm bringing up a, an address and report an issue is right there. I yeah. can tap it and then I can like no information, reposition. It's super sophisticated. I mean, I know that's silly, but it's also. Everything is closer. Better, Everything right? you want is closer, yeah. but it's still like very uncluttered. So, and, you know, like the. The, the thing, the info at the bottom, you kind of slide it up and down. That's pretty intuitive. That's nice. It's um, easier to find things kind of on your routes. <laughs> it's it's supposedly smarter about that. I used to get really frustrated. I just stopped asking it to, you know, find nearby gas and stuff because it would always find something behind me. I'm like, I'm not turning around on the freeway to go get gas. I'm laughing at the 3D view. I'm sorry. I'm just laughing. Glenn is laughing at maps. Um, the uh, <laughs> It's uh, looking at my house and it's like, they show roofs where they roofs roofs. Sorry, I've got I'm going, uh, English uh, pluralization problem there. Uh, roofs where they can, uh, but then if they can't, they show a flat roof. So I look like I live in a like a a, a, a saltine box. It's like this flat <laughs> rectangle. Well, the houses around me have roofs, but I mine doesn't because it's you know th- this is the outline view, which is um, still pretty cool. Uh, what it shows, very interesting. Um, yeah, I haven't used. You know, it's funny is I have not used uh, maps that much in iOS 10. I've been actually, it's not so much down on it, but I am such a Google Maps user. I'm actually only like, oh yeah, this is much better, isn't it? That's the other thing. Yeah, if you don't like the new Apple Maps, Google Maps has been working just fine. I've been checking it out, you know, here and there. I've been using Apple Maps because I'm still so into my watch and I like how when they're communicating well, which they are now, they're, they're back in sync, I still get a crash every now and then when navigating, but and, and it usually happens like mid route, like you're following the directions and then you look down, it's just like stopped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that can kind of stink, but um, but that hasn't ha- been happening very much. Like I I feel like this is pretty stable, but I you know people can be sensitive about their maps. But um, oh, if, this is so much yeah, better. I'm I'm, 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 such maps a, is there for you. I'm I'm sorry, I'm such a hilarious person. I have really not tried maps. I was so down on it before. You're like, oh, it's mm-hmm. better. I'm like, oh, I should actually open that app. It's not really my focus. That's why I didn't the look watch out. really got me me into it because I like how it taps your wrist before yeah. the. Because I, I I don't like the voices on the turn by turn navigation. I always turn the voice off. You so don't then like I have the to voices. Pay attention, and the watch just sort of like taps me when it's like, hey, hey, pay attention. You need to turn. So maps destinations. This is what a widget on the uh, notifications. What do you yeah. call it? What is it called? A There's notification a few screen, different right? notification screen. widgets that you can use. I think there's like a destinations one. There's like a traffic one, right? Oh, yeah, the traffic or, one will show you what's going, like bus routes and other things near you. Uh, like mm-hmm. the, I, I'm looking at mine now. It shows me that, but the destination so i don't i'm curious and listeners you can tell us in various ways you know you can always be in touch with us uh, i'm curious how many people punch in an address in their uh calendar appointments i do it all the time i started doing it more um and we'll it, i use fantastical um yeah i love the on the mac and that. ios yeah. and on the mac which is where i end up entering most of my appointments the Autocomplete is pretty good. Like as soon as you start typing, it starts looking stuff up. And I think it's using, I don't know if it's using Apple Maps or Google Maps, but it's going to get like the whole thing. Like it won't just be like, you know, 1000 East 14th Street. It'll say 1000 East 14th Street, you know, unit 2B, San Leandro, (laughs) California, USA with the zip code. And that way it shows up on the map like really, really quickly when that appointment comes up. So yeah, I've started doing it more. Not every time, but... The worst is when you get an appointment for a meeting at work and all the conference rooms have like cheeky names and it's uh, like there'll uh, be like a bar across town that has that same name. So then it's trying to tell you that you need to leave work and go to your meeting. Go to your bar. bar. Yeah, go to yeah. your bar. That's where it's at. Like not now, Apple. A uh, later. The music app, I also, I have not used the music app very much. I don't have an Apple Music subscription currently and uh, that is also – my understanding is Very different. Very new, yeah. Yeah, it's They've gotten a it. big overhaul. I don't really use it that much either, to be honest with you. But um, Oscar and Caitlin do, and they say it's really good. Um, the thing that we couldn't try in the beta that they're most excited about is the Discover Discovery Mix, I think they're calling it. Mm-hmm. It's basically a, a playlist just for you that's updated once a week um, based on your tastes and trying to introduce you to new things you might like based on other things that you listen to. Spotify does it and they call it discover weekly. And I really like it over on Spotify. So I hope that Apple music, um, users like it too, but that it has, hasn't been live in the betas, 
but there's some other fun stuff in there. Um, Oscar did a, a deep dive that we can link to. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's much nicer too. It uh, looks a lot nicer. For some reason, they're using like Helvetica bold as the uh, main heading, though, which is weird. Oh yeah, and then you mentioned liking the <laughs> the new um, control center interface which is split into three panes. So everything has more room. So the music controls get their own pane and you'll, you get the album art there. Um, Only and two it's panes. Just, Only two panes. Oh, I'm sorry. I have three panes because I'm using HomeKit. So oh, the first pane well. is the, yeah. Excuse if you have me. HomeKit, no, and that is made, that's been a game changer. So that's, that's another thing. I should probably update this article and say that if you have HomeKit, get iOS 10 because oh. the new Home app is cool, but it's one of those things where I never even launch the app because I don't have to because they've made, they just put the controls front and center. So in Control Center, I have a third pane that shows my HomeKit, um, you know, options and that pane even has kind of two views you can have it default to your scenes or to your devices now i only have a few home kit devices so basically i just um, go to my scenes which are i'm home and then it turns the lights on and i say good night and it turns the lights off so i use that to control um several strategically placed lights <laughs> around my home i haven't really gotten into the rest of it yet um because just so many reasons with an old house and getting stuff to work. But um, yeah, but the home app is really cool. It's been, it's been making me want to get more into HomeKit. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to, um, I've got a HomeKit hub and I'm going to start doing some HomeKit testing. So I'm looking forward to finding out. I'm, I'm a dubious about HomeKit because of different standards. So we're not HomeKit. I'm dubious about smart home because of all the different yeah. competing standards. But having a better way to control the stuff you have in one place, that will make me less dubious, I think. Uh, yeah, like I like the control, but it ends up being, you know, it's it's like you're sort of introducing new problems and then you have to think of ways to solve that problem, you know, so. I don't want so, my light bulb to crash, just like my exactly, lock. Exactly, yeah. My <laughs> waiting. I don't want to have to use a device to open, to open um, a, you know, a, a to turn on a light. I don't want to have to use a phone to turn on a light. A blue screen. Like, of, maybe I'll do that because I'm a big nerd, but that's a lot to expect of like everyone in my house. The blue light shade of death. Uh, but shift. then, you know, iOS 10 has made, at least for me, um, HomeKit a lot more convenient mm -hmm. because you have those controls in um, Control Center, and then which I use all the time. And then I also have um, a complication on my watch screen that brings up those same scenes uh, that are in control center on my phone and I can say I'm here or good night. Um, so I've been doing that a lot. And then uh, what's even easier to control HomeKit is just to say, tell Siri, like all I have to do is pull up Siri and say good night, but I hate doing it because she has this like corny answer. She'll say like, good night, sleep, like, may your smart home sleep tight. Don't let the data bugs bite or something. And I'm like, first of all, don't talk about bugs when I'm like turning my lights off. Like that's just not even like cute or funny. And second of all, like cutesy responses like that, they're sort of fun the first time you see them. But like, if you have a home kit light in your house, you're going to be turning it off and on probably multiple times a day, even if you schedule it. Like, you, you know, that's that's going to be something that you do over and over and over and over so again. You can't say, Ahoy Telephone, stop being cute. There's no... Yeah, uh, this is the I problem don't with think Siri. so. Yeah, well, I need a Siri, like, cutesy, like, slider to just turn it down because I, get this all I the time don't too. find I it ask a legit, legitimate question. It thinks I'm being funny. It thinks that, like... Yeah. And it's like, I'm not being funny. Just tell me where I can get the gosh darn blah -de blah You know, yeah. I don't need a cute response and then web results just... I mean, you're right. It's it wears thin because it's sometimes not you get the cute response without the web results lately. I have oh, not geez. been impressed with Siri in iOS 10. Siri. I don't know if it's an iOS 10 thing where she's trying to be cuter or if it's just like if I, I think Siri's kind of I don't know. Adaptive like maybe when it gets cuteness. the third party app stuff, it'll be more useful to me because I'll just use it with the third party apps and try to like really get the commands down. Very frustrating. So I'm not having like a deep soul searching conversation with Siri, but I don't want to. I just want her to call me a lift. Um, that's going to be good, but yeah, the, the home kit with Siri is, is, it sounds like it should be really convenient, but it's excruciating. The, uh, interesting other stuff. Let's see home, the home app, by the way. So I haven't used that cause I don't have anything home kit yet. Uh, does that affect things for you having a separate app? 
Yeah. So the fun thing about HomeKit is you could always sort of use any app. So every device you buy, like from different manufacturers, they always have their own app, but they can, those apps can see anything HomeKit. So I have like one light switch from iHome and one from iDevices. And I like the iDevices app better than the iHome app. That's fine. The iDevices app can see the iHome thing just fine because it's all HomeKit. So Apple made its own home app, which, you know, just is has a really nice, pretty design, um, but you don't, you know, need it to to um, to use the HomeKit apps. You can kind of use whichever HomeKit-enabled app that you like the best. Um, but Apple's is very nice. It's very pretty, and it, it'll find all your devices. Um, you can kind of set them up in rooms. You can sort of change their um, nicknames, which you might need if you have a lot of different things and, and you are going to be talking to Siri, you know, she needs to know what you're talking about. And then that's also where you can set up these um, scenes. Um, you can do this in any HomeKit app, but you, uh, Apple's makes it pretty easy. You can set up the scenes. So if you have, you know, your, your good night scene, um, mine is just turning off lights, but you could also have it, you adjust your thermostat, lock your doors, whatever. And then Siri will say like, night, night. And you know, I think there's more useful things it could do there. I think it could ask, you know, it could say like, oh, I notice your alarm is not, do you want me to set your, your, your phone alarm, not your, um, you know, house alarm. Um, and, and, and or different things like that. Um, um, or just say goodnight or say nothing because say it's nothing. not your friend, Don't it's talk. your phone. Don't speak. Don't speak. Uh, yes. let's, uh, let's talk about messages because uh, messages, I think uh, in the beta you could test certain kinds of things. But until mm-hmm. we got to release, not all the, the like third-party apps and all. I, I can't remember. I had the stickers some, have been loosened, man. The stickers are out there now. I haven't seen now. any of that because I don't I have anybody sending me any stickers yet. So I haven't had to install any sets. But the, uh, I'm really interested in the other stuff, to be quite honest. Cause, so there's two yeah. kinds of apps, right? There's stickers, which stickers will be fascinating because they're basically like an X, like a, a images in an XML file or something. So people will be able to create stickers without having to be uh, app developers. The, yeah. They'll need some help maybe going through Xcode and doing the, you know, upload process and all that, but it's not like developing an app. Then there are full-blown apps, kind of like uh, watch apps where you create an app that has, that essentially has a extension for messages and maybe all the functionalities and messages and preferences are in the app itself. Um, there's a ton of stuff coming. I mean, I've been downloading stuff over the last uh, day. Some things shipped last night even uh, before the uh, Apple seemed to slip out iOS 10 apps early this time. But so there's a bunch of stuff that's come out and I'm getting calls from uh, developers who are like, hey, can we talk about this app or that app? I'm like, sure, let's talk about some apps. But um, so one thing is there are um, payment apps is one of the categories of things that Apple was going to allow. And there's, uh, I don't think Square is out yet. It wasn't last night and I didn't check this morning yet. But um, one of the apps is, I have to go look up the name. It is called uh, Circle. And circle, yeah, circle pay, yeah. yeah, circle pay, and you can yeah, just say you know like, me too. <laughs> yeah, actually, well, it's great. No, I think it's I think it's one of the more exciting things going on because this is like uh, Square Cash or whatever, but through messaging. Um, I've also got things. There's an app called Cipher, which lets you do encrypted messages. Even though iMessage is encrypted, Apple does control some of those parts. So there has been concern that uh, some of Apple's uh, I've written about this that. iMessage uses some outdated uh, cryptographic techniques and it needs to update those. They're not broken, but they're not good. And so there's been various weaknesses found and Apple's made fixes. So Cypher is encryption within iMessage. So you're, you're double encrypted, but you're using a different method. I like it. Yeah. It's, but it's much more likely that you will be able to um, control. I mean, when you have access to something like this, you're controlling it at a level that's outside the control of the company that's transiting the message, which is good. But there's even things like IMDb. I'm looking at Castro, the podcast app. Um, there's uh, more. Oh, you see, and I keep getting updates. What would updates. you do with the podcast app in it, though? Oh, Just it's like cool share. Because, yeah, it's so hard to share podcasts. You listen to an episode. It is. That's how do you true. send it to somebody? So this way, you can actually message someone the link, and then if they have Castro. On their phone, it'll open it, it in Castro. And say, but if they don't, Castro has okay. a web app component, and it'll open it in a web page, and they can listen to it in a web browser too. Um, like I'm looking, Fandango, Open Table. Apparently, I have not yeah. played with that the stuff. Yet. Like Open Table and Fandango is good because when you're making plans with a group, like you won't have to leave messages and go well, find po- something else. It so you it, poll, it's gonna. Right? You can say, "I want to hear yeah. some places we could go," and uh, then you get to. Uh, uh, vote on which one you want to go to. I mean, that's kind of slick. It seems like 
Um, yeah, those are cool. I have a couple, I've played with a couple other, you know, apps and services that kind of do things. There's one called Coda that's really cool where you can kind of make a little like survey. You're like, okay, we need to record a podcast episode. Like what times are you available? And people, it makes a little form that people can fill out. Um, so I would love to see something like that in there. It sounds like open table kind of has something like that. Um, and then yeah, like so. Then there's going to be payments, so you could you could arrange to go out to dinner. Then you could pay each other. I think you can get rides um, from from inside there. So that's going to be really really handy. Um, iOS 10 is is going to help you not have to switch um, back and forth between tasks. Like just get things done from where you are, which is going to be really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like the the way that they're um, these apps can can access like what you're doing in iMessage, right? But that's it. So like Google has its new um, messaging app for Android that they were showing at IO that actually has like, and and it's it's very opt-in. Like you wouldn't do this unless you were really into it. I think it's called Allo. And um, it's basically like it's you and your chat partner and a bot. And the bot is there all the time. And if you're like, oh, I'm hungry, the bot's like, here's five places you can eat. <laughs> if you're like, I feel like pizza, the bot is like, I have located pizza places nearby. So so you, there's just like this bot kind of eavesdropping the whole time um, and, and then offering, you butting in with suggestions. So it's not doing that, but um, the... The other stuff in iOS 10 that's been blowing me away is the cool um, quick type things. So they are using machine learning to do predictive, um, to take predictive typing to the next level. So if you're on a web page and you're filling out a form and it asks for your phone number, quick type will be like, here are all your phone numbers. Which one do you want to put in there? Um, and that stuff is just really, really handy, but it's all done on the device. Like right. Apple doesn't put all this stuff in the cloud and then send it you know, back and forth. So... Um, yeah, if, if like someone texts you and they're like, where are you? It'll say, oh, um, I, I know where you are. Like that's information on your device. Do you want me to, to drop a pin into this text and show someone where you are? Totally so cool. So cool. Very, very cool. Totally um, cool. It's, yeah, I think I have a feeling that messages is going to uh, change entirely for people. Although yeah. the support it now, uh, remind me, OS 10 doesn't have all this stuff. Obviously these are iOS apps. So it's going to be weird when you're interacting between uh, OS 10 and iOS. Uh, it's like pe- another little store, right? Like yeah. Messages is going to have its own little store, and we know how awesome Apple is at <sighs> app stores, so I'm a little worried think, about I mean, that. I, I think I, I do think it's, uh, gosh. Uh, as long as they separate the stickers from the useful things like right. very clearly so I don't have to wade through, like, here's 29 <laughs> news. Because I'm well, sure I for did. every useful app, there's going to be like 40 sticker packs. And I'm not anti-sticker. It's just like I just want to be able to find what I want to find. Well, and that's Apple's Achilles heel when, when they're trying in, to sell you apps. Yeah. When you go into the app, so folks who haven't installed a, a you know, your, your tech, you have to start texting with someone to see this. You click the app thing, you click, there's four little dots in the lower left. That is how you see your apps, which I find both intuitive and non-intuitive at the same time. Cause I keep forgetting. That's how I see all my apps. You tap that. And then there's a store button, you tap store and it shows you the subset of apps that are available, but without a search. So you can only look, for uh, stuff that, you know, is exposed, you have to see, you know, so you're looking at the top selling stuff, right? Or recommendations. It's also where you manage the apps. You turn on and off which ones appear uh, in your um, in your uh, app drawer. But then you can also go to the main iOS app store and you can get messaging apps there or iMessage apps there, but it's a little confusing. Oh, no, I'm sorry. There is, hey, great interface. There is a search. It's up in the upper left corner, tiny little uh, thing in a different place than in the other, <laughs> different way to search for apps in that in a pop-up screen. But, but when you use that pop-up screen within iMessage, within the apps drawer, it filters. So you're just looking at the subset that actually work with it. Um, yeah, I think payment, I mean, so payment has been something people have been trying to solve for a long time and square, like for small payments between people or even like, you know, I want to pay you back for lunch kinds of things. And Square Cash is one solution. There's Venmo. There's a lot of apps for it. I wonder if integrating it into iMessage is the killer thing. Like if it gets us yeah. back to, do you remember when? Do you remember? Hey, do you remember when? Do you remember when, Susie? Do you remember when? <laughs> uh, do you remember when Palm let you beam like IR infrared payment to people? 
I remember when oh, you told me about it many times. Oh, <laughs> Susie, those are the good. I forget you slightly. I only knew like one person who had a palm, and You're he's somewhat now younger a than bona fide well, rock star. Jeff so Carlson. obviously, having a palm like leads to good things. But he's the only one I knew in my entire existence before smartphones that Mac like World had a PDA. contributor Jeff Carlson, old long friend and uh, many times office uh, co-office person I shared space with. Uh, he had palms and other things and wrote books about them back in the was late nineties. Oh my god. And uh, into the early 2000s. And so we had palms. We were all cool. We had our palms. And it'd be like, hey, let me pay back for lunch. Boop, beep, boop. And I'd, you know, you'd beam it to someone and the PayPal app would handle it. And this is the first time I'm sure everybody listening who uses Android will go, oh, no, we've had an Android app for this forever. This is the first time in iOS that I feel you're getting the ease of that old kind of transaction because it's integrated with messaging. And you're like, hey, I'm talking to you, Susie. I want to send you five bucks. And I do it there instead of launching another app, finding your name in the app, making sure you have account, you know, blah, blah, blah. So this is – this could be could be game changing, but I think in overall systems like getting things done. They always say like if a task is going to take like less than two minutes, like just do it now. Yes, exactly. I feel like on a smartphone, like that two minutes is maybe shrunk down to like twenty seconds. <laughs> like, exactly. If you can do it in four swipes, go ahead and do it now. No, Otherwise, it's, it's, it's just going to get added to a list and a pile and an app and a box, and you're never going to do it. So, yeah, iOS ten wants you to get your stuff done, and paying people is an important thing to get done very promptly. <laughs> Apple knows you're living in iMessage or some people are living in iMessage already. So they added more stuff to your home. Yeah, basically. that's like, going to be a big deal. And it, you know what the other fun thing about iMessage that I sort of like as a curmudgeonly old person oh, is if you don't want any of this iMessage stuff, it doesn't really get in the way. Yeah, like there's it's all like hidden. the little, the little like special animations and all that stuff. Like it's a couple taps away. So if you want it, it's not like buried. But if you don't want it, it is so easy to ignore, which I really like. I mean, unless you have like, you know, a, a friend who just keeps sending you like everything with like animated balloons behind it. But, you know, that's that's fun and funny. But you you don't have to use any of this stuff. Like even the apps, the app drawer, like it all kind of stays out of your way if you want to just use it for its original purpose of just sending plain text messages. That's what I like. They did that. Uh, yeah. So another thing, photos, photos app. So this is something that bit me and folks listening. When you update, you need to think about this. I should have oh, said this earlier. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this ha- did this happen to you. I have like 45,000 photos in my iCloud library. So what happens when I upgrade a phone is it burns. It's like, so I got, I put iOS 10 on (laughs) my main phone and I'm like, this is funny. It doesn't seem to be charging even though it's plugged in and it's hot. Why is it so hot? And I'm thinking and thinking, I tweet about it, of course, as I do. And a few people are like, oh, is it photos doing facial and object recognition in the background? I'm like, yes, that's what it is. So photos now does facial and object recognition. Cool, right? You cannot yes. turn it off. I asked Apple about this during the beta. Oh, no. You cannot disable this. It happens. So but it stays on the device, right? It stays on the device. And I asked Apple during the beta. Um, the last response I got from them was, we have nothing to share yet about whether this will be synced in any way among devices. So it means every iOS device you have and every macOS Sierra computer you have on which you have photos installed and are using iCloud Photo Library will separately and independently do this operation, which is stinky because then if you identify faces in one place, they're not identified in another, not synced to other devices. This could all change. So I'm saying this today when iOS 10 released and people could be listening and going, no, it worked on my system. So I don't know. Apple may have waited to enable it because there are ways. So like Keychain, um, iCloud Keychain has a technique that allows Apple to sync your data among machines without Apple ever having access to it because it uses private key information or, or, or key information only your devices have available to them are used to lock the information. And so Apple doesn't know what it has. It just has entries for your keychain. So unlike, say, iCloud contacts, where contacts Apple could read if they were subpoenaed, they'd have to provide them. Keychain entries with your passwords and other data are completely secured against uh, anyone's ability to get access to them just by its very structure. They'd have to re-engineer their systems to give them or law enforcement or for criminals to get access. Um, So there are ways to do that. And I wrote this piece earlier this summer. Uh, There's a a preview of uh, faces and how that's going to work in objects in photos. And I need to now go back and recheck with uh, when OS X is released to see how it works, but and see how they've changed. But at that time, 
the notion was no, nothing, everything is an island, but I've got, I don't know, three iOS devices and two Macs. So does that mean I have to go and identify all my faces on every machine right now? Yes. As far as I know at this recording, yes, which is silly. That is silly. It's silly. Yeah, so- <laughs> I mean, like, I get what they're doing, but that's still kind of silly. Like, they should, like, I mean, I'm they, sure they they're going to come it. up with something, but it should be, like, you know, user. They should explain to you clearly right. what's happening. Sync faces. And-, and then let you choose the behavior that you but- want with very clearly labeled menus that cannot it's be misinterpreted. It's so trivial, though, because they've <laughs> characterized, all the photos are, are characterized, and they're doing, like, signature-based recognition. So they don't have to do facial recognition of every photo and every different device. They could actually do it once and send a kind of signature of how, of where to find the face and so forth. That's very compact. And it could also be sent and synced securely. So, and then I could say, this is my wife, you know, this is my child, this is my other child. And, uh, and then that would be synced and I don't have to. So you're right. I mean, I, I wonder, they said, we have nothing to share yet over the summer, which usually means um, they're more definitive sometimes about, no, that's just not something we don't agree, blah, blah, blah. They just said nothing to share. So I'm hoping that was a sign of things to come. Uh, but so watch it folks. When you plug, you know, when you update, if you have a lot of photos, like I do, my phone was burning. I could barely, as long as it's on Wi-Fi and plugged in, it does the facial recognition stuff. So uh, unplug it if you don't want, if you, uh, or I'm sorry, put it on uh, airplane mode to charge or uh, take it off Wi-Fi if you need your phone to actually charge. Because I'm watching the battery percentage go down while the green battery light is lit up. Green battery symbol. Um, let's talk about a couple other things. We've got a few other things to talk about in this episode. We're getting towards the uh, getting towards the 45-minute zone here, Susie. Oh, my God. Let's keep going. Uh-oh. Um, call blocking and identification. I don't think you'd installed any call blocking apps yet as we spoke a few days ago about it. No. It's cool. I, I, I just like the, you can already block callers kind of one by one. Uh, why would I need call blocking? Explain. Okay. Let me tell you why. <laughs> here's why. I let get me tell a lot of spam calls and then I just block that caller. And Well, here's my problem. So I get, um, and now this is actually tapered off as a recording. And it's not that contemporary. Uh, up until a couple year. weeks ago. I was getting sometimes three to four spam calls a day and they come from different numbers and the caller ID isn't hidden. And in fact, even though scammers can uh, fake the caller ID, they can use PBX systems and like change the caller ID all the time. These are all calls. I use those uh, online services like who called you and things like that. I'll punch it in and it'll say, oh, it's just, you know, there's 15 reports from people. Someone called and said they were the IRS and try to do a scam or they're trying to sell you weight loss supplements or whatever. But every time the call comes in, I'm like, I don't know who it is. It says it's coming from Alabama. It says it's coming from whatever. Sometimes it's like the pharmacy, my mail order pharmacy calling to leave a message and I miss it or, you know, it could be whatever. So I don't know. So maybe uh, – so you're not getting – you are not getting a lot of spam calls then. Like I was getting dozens a week some weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I'm not getting dozens but yeah, I get – you know, I don't even know if it's one a day but yeah, you get a handful of them a week. Okay, well, so was, it hasn't been like a, a huge burden to just like block them one by one. It was starting to become – to me, I felt it was disruptive. So I'm happy about this feature and what the feature – what the option is is that like uh, content blocking Safari extensions – uh, which started in iOS 9 and El Capitan. Oh, and by the way, content blocking Safari extensions, I like to say that, content blocking Safari extensions, it's got like the nice rhythm to it. Uh, that is now available in iOS 10 in all uh, WebKit views. So, or I think actually it's called, but Safari, there's like a new Safari view too, right? That was introduced in the last release. But anywhere an app is using a web view, uh, Content blocking Safari extensions will apply there too. In iOS 9, it was only when you were using Safari, and I think it may be in some Apple apps where they invoked it. And uh, in this new version, uh, in iOS 10, uh, any of those blockers you put in will work everywhere. But this is this is very similar. So call blocking and identification is a setting in uh, the phone settings. And when you have apps installed that can access what's called call kit – then uh, they show up there and you can turn them on and off individually. So there's two purposes, uh, which one app can do both things. One is uh, it can identify and block calls. So you can say, okay, if this is in your database as a spam or scam, then automatically block it, add it to my block list. I don't want to hear the call at all, right? The other is it can do caller ID and that can be for legitimate things. Like let's say you'd like to get a more extensive message than the normal caller ID that shows up uh, for numbers you don't know. So sometimes you go to call and it says, you know, uh, 
uh, Athens, Georgia or something, right? This will actually try to do a lookup in real time and find the number or the name or business name associated with oh, the number. Cool. Right. So that's the plus side, right? So you can do that. You can also, so I was trying Hiya, H-I-Y-A, which has been available on other platforms for a while. And in Android, it's been able to actually do call blocking. They had an app out for iOS that could provide you information and you could do stuff within the app. Now it integrates. So I turned it on and um, now I see, you know, these calls say, I can, I set it to allow the calls to go through but it marks them. So I look at my phone, it's ringing and there's a big red, <laughs> there's a big red circle with a, da- a dash through it that says suspected spam, right? Or it'll tell you telemarketer or whatever. And it puts that as like an alert uh, underneath the phone number. And then you can choose to answer or not. And it also lets you report. Um, this is a privacy enhancing feature like Safari uh, content blocking Safari extensions. So uh, the phone numbers are never sent to the app developer. The app developer has to push information to the app. So it's being reg- uh, updated regularly, even like throughout a day. They're pushing a list of phone numbers to their database in your app. Uh. So it's right. So this is another Apple thing, like another company, let's not say any names, might send your phone number, say, we've anonymized the phone number, whatever. Um, but the phone number would go up and come back here. It's also super fast because it's a local database lookup and it's a, a, an exact match. The phone number has to match precisely. So it's not this, it doesn't even, you know, take very long. Um, so the phone number is sent is like checked against rules that the app has installed effectively, just like the blocking extensions. Anyway, I think it's cool. I I'm, I'm totally delighted that you didn't have this problem. I asked on Twitter a few weeks ago when I felt like I was getting tons of these calls and, you know, as a reporter like you, you're a journalist, you get calls from people you don't know. Sometimes I'm just glad to, I don't live in a swing state because oh like, oh, I bet geez. it's rough out there. Yeah, so I am... Uh, so this is probably just on in time for some of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I asked a few weeks ago and some people said no problems. Other people are being even more overwhelmed than I am. And it means they never answer their phone. They miss calls. The phone becomes less useful. Um, when Apple did the demo or a, a, the keynote in a WWDC in which this feature was mentioned, they mentioned partnering with carriers. So it's possible... AT&T and Verizon and others will extend. Uh, I think they all have certain kinds of apps and things already. They may offer this kind of app, maybe at a fee, maybe not. Some of these services look like they'll be, you know, a buck a month subscription, which is worthwhile if you feel like you're being, your time's being wasted. Um, some will do other things, but I think it's all, um, it seems to me very cool that you'll be able to get uh, more information and be able to more effectively control who's able to call you. So that's my little thing. That is thing. very cool. I like it. Uh, should we talk about um, uh, fit and finish? Uh, are there other big features you want to talk about? I think we talked about all notifications. Uh, we talked about a bit really different. Um, yeah, I really like the new notification screen because so there's no more push. Uh, there's no more slide to unlock, right? So now if you slide one way, you get your camera. If you slide the other way, you get these notification widgets. They kind of look a little bit like cards, like Google Now cards, um, which is cool. I like them. Um, they look really good. They're very handy. If you've got um, 3D Touch, you can um, uh, press into them to get more uh, information. So again, without launching an app, you can you can reply to things. You could hold a whole text conversation and messages just straight from the notifications. Um, and then when you 3D touch a, a, a widget, I mean, I'm sorry, an icon on your home screen, you can get a widget that will live on that widgets page, which is never more than a couple swipe, swipes away. Like if you're on your lock screen, if you're on your home screen, um, it's only one swipe away. And then if you're in an app, all you have to do is pull down for notification center and then swipe over to the today widgets. So yeah, they're super handy because they're everywhere and okay, they're, so they're much more interactive. Here's something that's confusing that I'm still mastering because I'm old. Um, so lock screen, you swipe left, you get the camera, you swipe right, you get the widgets, right? Yep. Those called widgets. Okay. Swipe, swipe up for control center. Right. Swipe down and you swipe get, down. you also get, you get notifications. Oh wait, it worked differently. Okay. So if you're on the lock screen and you swipe down, you get a single screen, which is your notifications, right? Yeah. If you're unlocked and you swipe down, you now have two screens. You have recent notifications and you get your widgets by swiping right. Yeah. So it's like that way you can be in an app mm-hmm. and still and still get to the widgets. You don't Which have to quit cool. out to your home screen and then 
swipe to the widgets. No, it's a, and that's a great feature because so, but it's like contextually, if you forget whether you're so you're swiped down, you're looking at recents and you're like, well, can I swipe over? It's like, well, no, you're locked. If you're locked, you can't swipe over. If you're unlocked, even looking at your home screen and you swipe down, you can do back and forth. So there's a yeah. there's a difference there. Because when you're setting sense. up your notifications, like some of them will always be in notification. You kind of there's different settings for if you want them on the lock screen or if you only want them in notification center. So that's why notification center works a little bit differently from the lock screen because you might have sensitive notifications that you know you don't want to show up before exactly. you even unlock the phone. So yeah, this this is a good chance to sort of rethink um, what you have because um, you can get to the widgets without unlocking the phone. That's cool. But I want to talk a little about fit and finish because I feel like Apple did a lot of refinement. I feel like everything seems slightly more elegant and like yeah. tasteful. So one thing I noticed the other day, I was playing a podcast and I use control center. I swipe up and I'm on the podcast or, or audio screen and I tap pause and I'm like, huh, tap play, tap pause. When you tap pause, the album art shrinks slightly and it pulls back. It removes the shadow. You type play and it comes, it looks like it comes forward. It gets bigger and it adds a little bit of a haze of a shadow behind it. So it's like the art comes towards you and it's just, it's not a big showy thing. And in fact, I'd been using it for a while before I noticed it, but it was just that little like, Oh, I call oh, it's kind of nice. Like I like that. And also that you see the album art because it's got an entire uh, view now in control center, you're not relying just on a text description and even the way it displays and you, you interact with that is a better experience as well. Yeah. There's a lot of little touches like that all over the place. Like even in, in notification center, just like the way the widgets look, yeah. I think they look, they look a lot better. They look like something you want to touch and interact with. Whereas in the iOS nine notification center, where it was that dark screen, it just looked like a list of texts. It didn't mm -hmm. look like something you could like touch and do something with. So yeah, like it, it's got different navigation, but once you get past the like not sliding to unlock thing, it doesn't feel it feels very intuitive because they've just made things that you can touch look like you can touch them. That was a complaint with iOS eight and even a little bit with iOS nine, where there were like in music in the old music app, there were so many things that were buttons that didn't look like buttons. Mm -hmm. It would just be like a pink word and you had to know that you could like tap on that. <laughs> That's very useful. So so yeah, iOS ten is is better at showing you kind of like the path to, to what to do and then and then there's so much kind of hidden if, if you start 3D touching around on all the different icons and things. 3D touch is much better in iOS 10. I feel like they actually yeah. figured out what it's for and I it find... It didn't really have a reason to exist before and now it does. It rewards discovery because you're doing something, you push a little by accident and it's like, oh, oh, I can do all those things. So I'm still mastering it but I haven't gotten, like I feel like I have to get new finger memory in iOS 10, especially with like the home button press and, and all that. Um, well, uh, so I think, uh, we have, uh, we're kind of at the end of our usual hours. So I think maybe we, should we push off our iPhone discussion until, uh, after they're out? We talked about it on John Moulton. I talked about it last week. There's articles up at the site. Do you want to talk briefly about uh, a couple iPhone seven issues, seven plus issues? Sure. Well, I think the big one is we have something up on the site. If you're a member of the iPhone upgrade program, people were horribly disappointed on uh, Friday or Thursday night, Friday morning, um, when they realized that they, A, were going to have to make an appointment to bring in a phone. There's no way to swap your phone. Okay, so I'm sorry. So this is the program Apple launched a year ago. That's a 0% financing, very much like what all the carriers have now and some had then. Uh, 24 equal installments. You pay the tax up front. And then you pay 24 equal installments. Uh, and yeah, AppleCare. Right. And AppleCare is, is uh, divided equally among those 24 payments. So you're only paying for it kind of monthly um, as opposed to, uh, you know, hundred and whatever dollars all at once, 130 bucks. So the phone uh, pays off in two years, but you are allowed after one year when the new phone comes out, if you want, you can swap your old phone for the new phone and then the loan resets. I also so saw- So you I was will only... be paying forever, but you, all you did, like you're- your 6S just magically turns into a 7. It's kind of cool. Yeah, and so you have to return the phone in good condition, but because it's under Apple Care Plus, ostensibly, if there's anything wrong, they cover it or there might be a deduct. You know, if you did something to it that really damaged it, you might have
might have to pay a deductible or pay some fee. But it, I have not heard any reports yet about people having hassles because I think it just can't be shattered, right? Like, well, I think it's supposed to be in good condition, but I don't. I mean, I don't know. We're going to start hearing as people go through this experience starting next week. I don't think an Apple Store is going to hassle people. And again, it's under Apple Care Plus, so unless you've like destroyed it, I think, and then you would just pay. You might have to pay a hundred bucks, you know, to replace it. But you're right, then it's shattered. Um, but so the thing was, so that's the program, and I uh, only went into that program in last October, so I'm only 11 months in. I was told I was already eligible to do iPhone upgrades. So I think Apple may be bumping people ahead um, because they want to get new phones sold because I thought I'd have to wait another month, and it said I didn't. So that's interesting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I'm not sure. I think – I mean, because I did not get the phone until, like I say, October, so I don't know. I enrolled in it, but I yeah. actually didn't use it to upgrade. Like I just – ordered a new phone like paying out right because right. I kind of I kind of want out of the of the paying every month cycle well, I don't want to get locked interest. into paying every month forever well sure it's zero percent interest it's, but it's also it's just I know this I'm ongoing paying interest I just don't want to pay every month like I'd rather pay up front and plus this phone I'm not convinced about like this is the first one where I'm like yeah you know I have to review it oh so you might I'm, sell it out right when you're done I might stop using it after that so, yeah I don't know well so here's a problem people faced and we have an article up at macworld.com where you can read more about it too um, if you haven't yet tried to do this and you're going to and you're in the iPhone upgrade plan program or thinking about it is um, so a you have to bring the phone in in person apparently and I, I think that's right I, I don't think yeah. I've seen an exception I'm not sure people realize that they wouldn't be able to send the phone back, which sometimes you can do with well, when carriers. When it started, it was in-store only. And now you can enroll in the iPhone right. upgrade program online, but you have, I'm pretty sure you have to bring the phone in in person to right. exchange and it. The other, so the B part there is there wasn't, wasn't enough inventory in stores. So people – I was telling my wife yeah. about this. So and they she were said, having you reserve yeah. – so, okay. So when you went to reserve your phone, pre-order your phone through the iPhone upgrade program, since you have to exchange it in a store, they would ask you which store. And then after you selected the store, they would ask you what kind of iPhone you wanted. Right. And so different stores only have, you know, like – if you're ordering online, there's a much bigger pile of phones to choose from than when you're going to a one specific store. So a lot of people were getting messages, even like right away, pre-orders had just started. Oh, yeah, 12.05 a.m. when the yeah, thing went up. You can yep. have it anything you want shipped to you, but if you were going to do in-store pickup for the upgrade program, it was saying, oh, like that carrier, that size, that color, like what you want is not available, even though they just went on sale and people were getting frustrated. It would tell you not so, available. You couldn't just say, I will wait. It said you literally couldn't select it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So is, people were freaking because you know you, if you don't order it right away, you might not get it on launch day. Um, and Apple has changed it since then to s kind of explain a little bit more. And they like they, they don't have a fix for it yet, but they say like, look, if if you can't get the one you want, call us. And and when you call, they will just take your information, yeah. your name, and number, and find out what store oh, and which man. one you want, and they're gonna call you That's back. So, so we haven't. Yeah, it is. Well, but it's also kind of you know you're getting sort of a personal shopper kind of concierge experience. It's very Nordstrom. So props to them for you know trying to take it up a notch and at least do right by their customers who are willing to you know be the guinea pigs for this i phone upgrade program. I hope it all works out. I have I, I described this to my wife. I, I was telling her about it and she said they didn't have a priority queue for the program no, that I Apple's offering. I guess it was offering. two different queues. Yeah. No, they should have given priority well, to the upgraders but... I saw know. this too because I bought an iPhone 7 Plus which I actually don't want because I like my 6. I like the 6, uh, the smaller format, the 6 format success. It's such um, a problem this time. Everyone wants the smaller phone with the better camera. Apple's really made it difficult yeah, to choose. Yeah, so I want the 7, I want, yeah, I want the 7 Plus so I I, um, so I bought it outright like you did because I didn't want to swap in my current phone. I want to keep my current phone and keep paying it off. And I will, and like you, I may, I mean, I'm going to, I bought it. I'm going to test it. I'm going to some articles for you about it. And I may keep it just for the photographic aspect so I can write and see what this sort of new frontier of smartphone photography is like. Android users, yes, I know there was a phone before that did this, but this is a two-year later phone that's going to have much more sophisticated, you know, faster processor, uh, better lenses. And, can I uh, just say that's my favorite part of every iPhone announcement is seeing the, the my Android friends? 
friends. I have a couple of very close Android friends and they always wig out. They're like, they didn't invent two cameras. Like, they, <laughs> all their phones got rid of the headphone jack. This isn't, and it's just like, yeah, but now it matters because exactly. Apple did it. And they exactly. just, it's so fun watching their heads explode. It's a new, it's a new thing. So I'll be testing, uh, even this weekend, I hope I'll be testing um, the photographic thing. I've been talking to uh, camera app makers about their plans. They're most excited about raw photo format being available because they can do so much more with raw in the app and then they can export a raw file to you. Uh, they can export it to, um, uh, uh, sorry, they can make, they can let the, uh, they can let you as a user of their app export raw so that you can then edit it on a Mac or somewhere else, uh, getting access to all the sensor data. So that's kind of neat. So you can manipulate it in place. I was talking and, to... And, and is that part of... That's part of iOS, right? So yeah, you can do that even allows, on old, older phones. Yeah. They, well, it'll work only with... Uh, raw format goes back to uh, SE iPhone 6... I don't think I don't think it goes back to the iPhone six. I've forgotten. There's actually a, a limitation on that that I'll put in okay. the article. Uh, so you only go back to. Um, it might go back to the iPhone six and six plus, but I think it might be the six S and six S plus because of how they it's uh, how they process it internally. They've also made the wide color gamut. Um, format they've where they've said they've made a they've changed the pipeline so before not everything in ios could handle wide color that handled image data now everything can so that may affect some camera apps um uh, maybe better able to access or manipulate without workarounds uh, that i took up one camera app maker told me it wasn't as big a deal another said it was it was better for them but um if you're really interested in using camera apps that can access some of the deep functions, like I was talking to the, the fellow who makes uh, Manual, which is a great app. It lets you basically, you know, turn off all the automatic settings in iOS for photography and choose, you know, shutter speed and ISO, effective ISO and so forth. So they're very excited about uh, that and I'll have an article coming out sometime soon about photo apps and so forth. Um, but uh, so cool. yeah, so when I went to order the 7 Plus, just to finish that anecdote and then we'll wrap up, right? Um, I uh, went through and it said, uh, okay, you know, you can get it from, I forget what it was, like September 22nd to 29th by mail, or you can pick it up in a store on some stores on September uh, 16th, right? We're coming up. Yeah, this Friday. So I go to look at the stores and it had defaulted because I'd been looking some previous search on the same machine in California, or just any phones on the West Coast. I was trying to find one, an SE when those came out. And it said there's no phones available anywhere. I'm like, huh. Then I punched in my zip code. So it showed no uh, 7 plus availability on the West Coast in California in stores. And this is like 12.07 a.m. And then it showed in Washington State, like three stores, including the one that's maybe a mile from my house, had availability. So I selected that. I'm going to go do in-store pickup at 10 a.m. on Friday. But I, there's just a weird thing about supply in the stores. I'm not sure, but they didn't seem to allot as many phones as usual or something. I was able to get a 7. I did not even stay up. I ordered the 7 the next morning when I woke up, which is really wimpy because it's midnight here. My poor girl, Caitlin out of New York got up at 3 a.m. to order her seven plus. It's still not coming for a couple of weeks. Oh yeah. We were chatting at 3 a.m. We bought, ordered the yeah. same seven plus model. And we we're like, I, we slept, got I don't it. even think Caitlin knows this because I didn't want to tell her, but I slept in and then still got up and ordered a seven for launch day because I think everyone, I mean like, so uh, one of those uh, firms that does the analytics of, um, you know, which, which devices are in use based on like web browser usage. Um, they had, uh, th uh, estimated a couple weeks ago that, um, the, the split between the, the six and the six plus and the seven and the six S and the six S plus, um, there were so many more people using the smaller one. Um, and the, 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 the larger versions were each getting like single digits of the, of the share, um, when they split it out by, by model. Um, but I think this time it might, it, this might be the, the, uh, iteration that kind of reverses that trend and more people, just anecdotally that I've talked to, everyone's really excited about the seven plus like that big camera. Um, because you know, if you're going to be spending the money on a, on a new phone and the, the, the camera and the speed are the big, big selling points this time, it sort of seems like a shame even to go for the, for the smaller one with the one camera when you can get the bigger one with two. But, you know, again, I just like small phones. So so I went with the 7 because it was the one I could get, and it was the one that's better sized for my lifestyle. But I think people are way more intrigued about the 7 Plus. 
I totally agree. I've had a lot of conversations with people, uh, that exact thing going, hmm, hmm. And they're like, I don't want a bigger phone. It's but trickier it this out. time too. Yeah. And then the two different color blacks are also kind of perplexing. So I saw them in person. The The shiny one is shiny and beautiful, um, but it's going to scratch and get a lot of fingerprints. It'll look like micro abrasions, Apple is calling it. Um, just cause it's so highly polished, like it's going to show any little thing. <laughs> yes. So they were like, Oh, if that concerns you, you should probably get a case. But it's like, why am I yeah. doing this? Like micro <laughs> chamfered polish. Like you invented 10 new polishing techniques uh. and made a video about it. Like, why would I, you know, do that and then put a case on it. But anyway, that's their suggestion. And then, um, I like the matte black one a lot better. It's just, it's, it's nice. It's really, really dark. Um, I used to always do black and then I f- figured out that I could find my phone inside a bag or a backpack much faster <laughs> if I didn't get a black phone. So uh, I, I went with the rose gold again. But yeah, uh, the black, the, both of the blacks are really, really nice. I think they're both nicer looking than the space gray. I am uh, really curious to see them in person, which I guess I will at the store. I'll get a, I'll get a uh, compare. I, uh, I think I've got, I don't even know what phone I have because I have a white one. Mine's white. Is it white? Yes, it's white on the front. So that's all I know. <laughs> I pay yeah, a lot of I wish you could I get case. like the gold phone with a black front because I like the way the screen pops with the black um, what is bezel. Mine? I've got but mine. Is, the, I, I, I got I used know. to the white bezel really quickly when I went from a black phone to a, a rose gold phone. So I may have space gray. It looks silver. I don't even know the color of my phone. I have a case and it's white. The on silver the front. would look good with a black front too. The silver has a white front. Uh, well, folks, uh, I think we're I think we've gone through what we can get through in this episode. We'll talk more next week about the phones because oh, we'll have there's going to be more. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll have, have them in phones hand by then. and um, get your questions about iOS and phones and so forth. If you haven't updated or you're waiting to see if you're going to buy, yeah, tweet a us model. if there's things we can answer for yes. you. In the you next. can find us. You know, it's at MacWorld, of course, on Twitter, but you can find us at Glenn F G L E N N F and at S F Suze. That's S F like Frank. Uh, S, <laughs> S like Sam. Wait, and get S F Suze. S F like San Francisco. O O Z S O Z. S F Suze. S O O Z. But also, just mail us at podcast at macworld. Oh my god, it's the worst Twitter comments. handle ever. Yeah, we check. Com- well, it made sense before you had to say it aloud. Uh, I had a, I had an email address like that a long time ago that was impossible to say over the phone. Uh, so, uh, but if, email us podcast at macworld.com. Find us at macworld.com. We read the comments on the post and uh, come join us again next week. Susie, great to talk to you as always. Yeah, thanks for hanging out. A pleasure. And uh, this has been the Macworld Podcast, episode 525 for September 14th, 2016. And we will be back next week.